All right, guys, welcome to Property Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Kaminsky, filling in for Dave Dubow. Um, today on the show, I've got a really interesting story. Um, a lot of times we wait for something and we are always wishing and dreaming that maybe it's going to happen or we're going to do it later. Uh, my guest tonight actually was in a car accident, thankfully unscathed, but it was a catalyst to his climb through real estate. We're talking 77 units in under 24 months. Phil Brooks, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. How about yourself? Uh, can't complain. I mean, I wasn't in a car accident. Maybe I need to get in more car accidents to get <laughs> 77 units like that. So um, you'd mentioned before the show that you'd always had kind of a passion for real estate, but that was really a catalyst. Um, walk us through that so we can kind of get inside your your head there a little bit and um, tell us a little bit about the, how you got started in multifamily. Yeah, so I was in single family residential. Um, I, I do own a couple rental, small ones, single family, but I, I was doing flips as well. But not only that, I was working a 12 hour shift, an hour commute to work and an hour back. And I used to be like, man, I need to find something different. These long shifts, when I get off work, I'm trying to find a way to find another deal. I don't really got time for my family or anything. And then once somebody, a mentor of mine told me, instead of, because my goal was to get to 10 houses, one a year for 10 years. Mm -hmm. My plan was to buy one house a year. He said, instead of doing that, why won't you just buy a commercial building with 10 units in it? So I'm like, all right, that sparked my interest, you know. So I'm still commuting back and forth to work. I'm doing research here and there when I got time, when I'm not asleep or if I'm not spending time with my family. Mm-hmm. Then one day I got into a, a car accident. It was the car was wheel popped off, airbags exploded, window. It was like everything was going in slow motion. But I didn't have a scratch on me. I used to always ask God, like, something got to change. I'm tired of these commutes. I'm tired of these long shifts. And I feel like that car accident was was the turning point in my life that, hey, you said you really want to do real estate. You really want to find time to do it. You need to just do it. So Mm -hmm. after that car accident, that's when I dove deep into multifamily investing. So what was your first... um... Because there's a lot to learn when it comes to multifamily. Like, let everyone at home who's thinking about going from single to multi, hey, it's you know, it's not just ten, it's not just the numbers ten times. There's more to it. But what was the first, you know, what was your first move into multifamily? So I started looking to look different groups to join. Right, I started joining all the free groups, seeing that mm-hmm. if I could gain information that way. Then I joined a mastermind called the Deal Room. And from there, that's when I learned underwriting, networking, people who can KP on deals, people who could raise capital. So that was my way of getting into multifamily because I didn't have the capital. I was only making mm-hmm. 70K a year at my job. So I'm like, all right, if I can find an opportunity, learn how to underwrite it, then maybe I could bring more value to the people who can bring the capital, who can sign on the loans. Mm-hmm. So what I did was they have an underwriting call every Tuesday. I went on LoopNet, Crexy. They got a video they send you to just plug in numbers in the underwriting sheet. I used to submit it every week 
to, to get feedback from my mentor to see what I was doing wrong, how I could correct it, and how I could get better. Mm-hmm. So once it got to a point when I felt like I was really, really good at it, good enough at it to submit an LOI, that's when I did that. And I was constantly connecting with people who was doing what I was doing as well, like wanted to do. They already had multiple units. I was constantly talk, picking their brains, seeing what markets they was in because they the one with the capital. So I wanted to find opportunities in the markets. So they have come in a partner with me. And so, so for people listening at home, LOI, letter of intent. Yes. So I, I thought in a Michael Jordan method. So Michael Jordan was known for how many shots he's made, but they don't really know how many shots he took. So mm-hmm. I'm like, if I could find a bunch of deals, at least one or two going to pencil out that I could. Yeah, I'm going to sink a couple, better. even if I'm just throwing everything at the at the backboard, you know? Yes. So I start connecting with brokers, wholesalers, started finding opportunities, underwriting. Even if they didn't pencil out, I submitted an offer at what I can offer at. Regardless, I never let a deal that I underwrite and say, oh, it's, it costs too much and not still submit my offer. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking, hey, I never know what's going to come up later on with that seller. Maybe he won't accept it now, but something come up later down the line, he'll come back to my LOI. So that's what I was doing. I was constantly underwriting deals. That's how I sharpening my best. Always getting feedback before I submit the LOI, even though I was comfortable with it. I still was able to present it to my my mentors, get their feedback on it. And I got more confident at what I was doing. Don't get me wrong, me not working and my income just twiggling down, no income coming in really, it was a lot of pressure as well. But I was determined, you know, to find my deal, find my first deal and be able to know I could do it because where I come from, we don't think we can buy multifamily apartments because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we always thought, oh, you got to have millions of dollars or you got to have millions of connections. And I guess the second one is true. You figured that out is you got to have the connections because I think before the show, you said it took you your closing on a deal or your first deal took you 77 dials, 77 conversations, something like that to get to the money. Yeah. So. My first deal that I actually closed. So I was under contract on a few deals that when we did due diligence, we had to either try to retrade and the seller didn't want to retrade and we have to back mm-hmm. out. That was my mm-hmm. first four opportunities, but it just made me hungrier once I realized. Well, you're so hey, close, right? You're, you're yeah, like right I'm at right the thing, here. but it turned out it wasn't a deal. Correct. Correct. We went to some, some of them, we scoped the lines and the, they had copper pipe that was broken underneath the um yeah you don't want to you know take on a bunch of maintenance or they don't want to come down in price to offset the fact that they're asking too much that's usually what in multi they're like well deal with it and it's like fine i'm out correct so once i realized the more connections you make the more opportunities would come to you mm-hmm. i just start connecting with people always reaching out people reaching out to me Constantly showing people what I was doing, even on social media. When I go to meetups, I'm always talking to people about what I'm doing and everything. So when I did have an opportunity, people would be like, reach out to me. So once I did have an opportunity, mm-hmm. I reached out. Some people was like, oh, it's not. It's your first deal. I don't know. It's your first deal. I had to literally talk to 76 people, 
76. Mm -hmm. I remember exactly the amount. 76 people to raise 950K. Even though I did it in two weeks, I was determined to raise that capital because all the other deals fell through. Mm -hmm. And this one finally passed through diligence. It, it finally was a deal that we wanted to close. And that one that one was a 24 unit in Northwest Arkansas. How much cash flow at the end of the day was that? Like, how did it change your life? Oh, man. So that one that was only bringing in 6K a month. Mm -hmm. We got it at 19 units occupied now, renovated, and we bringing in over 20K a month. There right now and it still got 16 units i mean five units that need to be filled up and so what's your split with the with the partners on that or are you just paying for the money and and that's it no i have a split so i gave up 60 percent of the equity for that so what does that so, do for you because you're not working anymore right you decided to this is your main gig so how is that helping you do that you know, how so, close are you to that well, it took care of the main part of my bills, you know, so it took a little while for it to get stabilized and everything to where it's at about five months, mm -hmm. but it started paying for itself. And then it actually started paying my bills because of the 40% that I had. Mm -hmm. So that's about after expenses, I, I believe I get about 3,700. So it take care of the main bills. Now, yet i'm not rich i'm not getting rich off it but mm -hmm. it's able to allow me to do more multifamily dive deeper and just like i said it made me hungrier yeah once you can offset that like the mental like desire like i need to pay my bills once you're like free of that maybe not entirely you still got to eat you still want things but it really does help you like uh not get into bad deals so what do you what do you think your secret sauce is? You know, what comes easily to you that other people might find difficult with multifamily? I feel like finding deal flow, connecting with brokers, having them conversations, getting off market deals sent to me, underwriting them. Um, that I think that's definitely my niche because what made me want to understand underwriting so much is I had a fear of losing investors' money. Mm -hmm. I used to be like, they about to give me millions of dollars. I want to make sure I, nothing go perfect. Don't get me wrong. Everything yeah. don't always go perfect. But I want to make sure I could be as close as possible before I start pitching the opportunity to people to bring capital. Yeah. So like it's a sh it, that they could actually invest in it. So that's like your mindset you think would be your, your advantage, like the way you approached it. Correct. So- what would you say your biggest obstacle is uh, now? Um, my biggest obstacle now, I would say, is now I got a lot of deals. Mm -hmm. You know, I underwrite about four or five deals a day. And it seemed like since the market has been changing, more yeah. opportunities has been coming. So I'm, I would say bringing in more capital to get these deals across the closing table. So I'm connecting with more people. I'm bringing more opportunities to more people. So what are you doing right now to kind of raise capital for these deals? So I do. So I reach out to a lot of repeat investors mm -hmm. as well. I'm, I'm branding myself. I'm constantly marketing on different social media brands. People reach out to me. Like I said, I let people know what I'm doing. So I'm, I probably talk to 10 new people a week. 
because I'm constantly connecting because I know the importance of bringing in partners and capital to get these deals done. So tell tell the people at home like a strategy that's been particularly effective to give you access to those meetings. If I mean, you don't have to give away the secret sauce, but you know, you're saying you're using social media. What what have you found to be effective? Well, when I'm constantly, you know, helping people. So when I'm posting what I'm doing, showing them due diligence, showing them how I underwrite deals, showing them how I find deals, showing them how I connect, people reach out to me more and I'm I'm able to add value to them without even asking for anything. So yeah. I think that's more of the way I've been able to get more capital because of my credibility of helping more than I'm actually asking for anything. Yeah. So you're like providing value first and they're reaching out to you because of the the value that you're putting it out there. So um, you're expanding the the network. You got some expansion going on. What have you found to be the most effective way to keep in touch with your investor prospects? So right now I just have them in a spreadsheet, right? You talking about the ones yeah. I have connected with. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just having in a spreadsheet right now. And I got the date we talked, notes that we what we talked about, and mm-hmm. when the last time I talked to them to kind of do that follow up. Now a lot so of people, the, you know, especially when it comes to multifamily, um, how do you go about presenting something that big as far as like your procedure or you know, essentially we're talking about your pitch deck. So with your pitch deck, how do you go about presenting it because you said i'm gonna wait until i know i got it for certain which is a little bit of a different approach because some people are you know might not even be a real deal and they're seeing if there's interest so walk me through a little bit of your your pitch deck for the people who are thinking about getting into one of those investor meetings and don't want to get eaten alive so when i do with my deals what i aim for so i aim for at least an eight percent cash on cash I like to return my investor money back within two or three years on a refi. So I like to buy at least 70% of the stabilized value. Mm -hmm. And I I do mostly JV deals. So once I return a capital, we get to hold it for however long we want to hold it for and just cash flow it. So I look for a 16 plus IRR, that's internal rate of return. Mm -hmm. And then I look for at least an eight plus cash on cash and I'm I'm, I'm looking to double their money. I'm always looking to do a two-time multiplier. Sometimes they come a little bit lower, about a 1.8, but I'm always looking at least two times their um, they money. Yeah, because a lot of people are talking about 2Xing it in five. They're like in five years. And so your focus is like uh, within three. So I won't say two times within three. So what I would do is return all the capital. So it's like affinity returns within two or three. Now, okay. when we decide to sell, that's when they get that extra, and that would be a two-timer. So if we sell in five years, if we decide to, that's still with two times their money. But they get the cash flow they money without having any money, keep the same equity. So where you're saying you're underwriting a um, bunch of deals a day, and that didn't start, like you didn't start getting that lead flow. That was something you networked up to. Um at what point did it really start rolling? Like, what was it? What was the turning point on your deal flow? Because a lot of people are like, "Yeah, I get some emails about some deals and stuff," but where where do you think the turning point was for you? Well, I started seeking. So what I did was I I go on LoopNet Crexy. I don't call the broker right away. 
I get the assign the CA, you know, get the documents, the financials, and I underwrite it, right? Then I submit the LOI. After I submit, after I underwrite it, even if it's overpriced on LoopNet, I'm not really doing it for the deal. I'm doing it mm. for the relationship. Yeah. So after I submit the LOI, then I call the broker and I tell them, hey, I just submitted an LOI on that deal you have in to mm -hmm. say Kansas, whatever, right? Um, I know you want a five million, but my numbers at the underwriting it said only three million. Yeah, three if this may work, yep. Yeah, if this may work, we would like to move forward. If not, please send me anything off market in that area. And I do that in every market we wanted to be in. And I got my markets for them, my partners and investors, because they the ones who bring in the capital. So I mm -hmm. want to make sure. I'm, I'm presenting a deal that they even want to invest in. I don't want to be sending them something in Alaska, but they only do Southeast, you know? Yeah. So I started doing that in every market. And then all of a sudden, since I, I separated myself from most people, because most people call, most people try to do that connection first, but me mm -hmm. submitting the LOI showed them that I'm really trying to buy. Yeah. So all of a sudden, when I do that, my, my deal flow just start, picking up and I, people are afraid yeah right. people are afraid to put it on paper and i always say like speak with paper because like you know i it, this is a censored show but you know bs you know you can bs all day on the phone but write it up write mm -hmm. it up and that to a, a broker or an agent means a lot more that you're willing to like do the numbers put it on paper Put it in front of me. Even if you're, even if you are two million dollars under what I'm asking, you spent the time and you didn't just, you're not just calling me and wasting my time. So, I love that strategy. Um, you're talking about uh, being on social media. If people want to connect with you, they want to find out more about uh, you and what you do. How should they do that? So my name is Phil Brooks on Facebook. Also, I'm Phil Brooks on Instagram. I'm Phil Brook on TikTok. Like I, uh, I A M. I am. Okay. I'm I am Phil, Phil Brooks. Brooks. That's I the am, handle yeah. on uh, Instagram. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. Um, time flies when you're having fun and I, you know, there's, we could go on about multifamily all day, but they should probably just reach out to you uh, directly. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you being on the show and until next time, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode. Awesome. Nice meeting you. Thanks, Bryce.